Eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. It's Kay Johnson here from the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. I just wanted you guys to know that the UK base, Full10Yards.com, has their 2021 NFL Draft Guide coming out April 1st. So go go check it out. Go go buy it. Over 200 players, including myself, are being scouted on there. Um, get your pre-orders in now. Check it out. Hello and welcome to the Full10Yards College Football Podcast. We're almost there, guys. I'm really excited now. I know we were saying that we just wanted to be here last week, <laughs> um, but I'm really excited now. Joined by a full full crew today, so we've got Kieran, Raj, Andy, and uh, Ed as well. So uh, yeah, no, lots of lots of voices. And today we're going to bring you our hot takes, our spicy takes, bold takes, whatever you want to call it. I couldn't decide what we we're going to call it earlier on, so I'm just going to go for all three. Um, obviously, we've got the hot take machine, Kieran, in. We've got a couple of hot takes to come from him, and by the sounds of it, we've got a couple of hot takes to come from everyone. So this one should be a fun one. Um, yeah, I'm going to sit back and enjoy you guys' takes. So let's get straight into it. Let's get straight into. It. We've got lots to get through. So, Kieran, we'll start with you because you've got a few to a few to get through. So, hit us with your first one. I love how you call me a hot take machine. <laughs> like, am I telling any lies, guys? Is there any lies? <laughs> Let's be honest. How is there any doubt that that's the case? How is there any doubt? <laughs> Let's be honest, though. Even some of my best hot takes are now decidedly milk toast, given how the league has played out. Josh Allen's an MVP candidate. You know, Dolphins have a top eight defense. Bangers I mean, upon bangers upon bangers. I'm I mean, we Craig didn't. We David didn't. Of football <laughs> takes. We didn't know you when you were making these takes, mate. So for all we know, we know that it's just you're, you're after the fact. It's fine. <laughs> well, if you don't know, now you know. So my first hot take, Raj. Raj is gonna love this. It's that Odigizu Oster Adigizuwa is gonna be a top five lineman within the, his first three years in the league. He is going to be a Deron Payne level guy. He's going to get, I think he's a first round talent personally, Christian Barmore. I don't know who that dickhead is, but he's not Osa Adigizuwa. I, I, I genuinely think with the ferocity and the violence and the skill he plays this game with, his understanding of leverage, his understanding of concepts, he will be a top five defensive lineman within his first three years in the league. In the next few years, we'll be saying whatever team he lands for, he is the reason they get so many sacks. He is the reason they get so many pressures. He is going to be the Deron Payne of whatever franchise he goes to. If he goes to the Washington football team, then the rest of the NFC East might as well just pack their bags and relocate because it's done for them. How do you think of that? Love what it. do you think? You're obviously, you're obviously a big fan as well. Love it. Anything, anything Adigizua related. Love. He's. I just keep watching his film, and just the one thing that pops out more than anything else is his hands. Like he is so so violent with those hands. It is scary. They are like clubs. They they are like two two tree trunks that are literally just just that they, they are weapons in themselves. And I absolutely love the guy. I know a few weeks ago that I said. Maybe he'll be a great fit for the Rams. Can you imagine next to Aaron Donald? Whoa, that is that, that is some scary, scary stuff there. And I love the guy. I think uh, that is a spicy, spicy take I'm well on board with. Last time I watched something that violent on film, I was watching Death Wish on VHS. 
It was ridiculous. He is an animal. And the, and the resting pedigree as well, just another tick in the box to, to for that that leverage, that solid lower power. The, the, the base is how, how he's able to sort of set himself on the line of scrimmage. It's just everyone, the, 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 what people are saying is he's only six foot, but he actually uses that to his advantage. And, and it's just love him, absolutely love him. And if you need to know any more information on this kid, if you head over to full10yards.com forward slash shop and pick up the draft guide, I was actually the guy who um, graded a diggy Zua. So if you head over there now, full10yards.com forward slash shop, pick up the draft guide and you will be able to read about what a marvel this guy is. If you don't have access to the film, you can't grade, you, you know, you don't know what to look for a film. I know what you're looking for. So just pick up the draft guide, read what I put, even if it's just for this one page. Go ahead, check it out. Nice, lovely little plug there. Yeah, I pulled up your pulled up your report there, didn't you? It must have grown on you over the past few days because you only gave him a second round grade. But yeah, we'll leave that one to rest. The, uh, yeah, the second round grade is because I think we tried to have to be a bit in line with what certain people were thinking. You you can't even if I think he's this first round talent, I I got to evaluate where I think teams are going to pick him, not necessarily where I think he belongs to go. Don't worry about it. I'm just being mischievous, don't worry. That's why That's I was right. to come in a minute ago, because I was looking at that. Ed, we'll come to you, because I know you've got a few as well, so we'll start off with the guys who have got a few more, and we'll, we'll finish off with, with me, because I've only got the one. Well, I enjoyed that. that. Any hot take that is to do with any defensive tackle in this draft succeeding is a spicy one. It's a, it's a dreadful class. I'm actually doing as a Digizua tomorrow morning. He wasn't on my original list to go through, but because you guys keep banging on about him so much, I've added him. Um, <laughs> But my my big hot take is, and I've been considering this a lot, because obviously the quarterbacks are the the talk of the town, basically, in this draft. It's a historic quarterback class. And I'm pretty sure that five quarterbacks are going to go in the top 10. Now, I don't think that's spicy enough of a take for this. So I believe that not only are five quarterbacks going to be taken in the top 10, that Davis Mills, Stanford quarterback, is going to be taken at the back end of the first round. Now, I quite like Davis Mills. Would I necessarily say he's a first-round talent? Maybe not. I'd be more comfortable taking him in the second. However, I'm going to go completely galaxy brain on you guys. Not only do I think the NFL team is going to love him because he's a former five-star recruit, he's got a good arm, he reads the field while he's working in a pro-style offense at Stanford. As well as that, the NFL Network announced their team for the broadcast of the first round of the NFL draft included was Stanford head coach David Shaw. I think he's there because two of his prospects, David Mills and Walker Little, are considered not only fringe first round prospects, but I believe one of them is going to go. And I'm pretty sure it's going to be Davis Mills. Now, who actually takes him? That is a more complicated matter, but I would believe that it would be either the New England Patriots or it would be the Chicago Bears. Now, I think this is the big discussion here is because Davis Mills is maybe not quite a first-round talent, but that fifth-year option for a quarterback is so, so valuable. So if the Bears are at 20 and they're out of range, they can come back in, maybe trade out with the Buccaneers or something like that. Um, or, or the Patriots come up and get their quarterback of the future after making, you know, after taking advantage of a really good draft position at 15 and all the quarterbacks are gone, there are options there. So this is my big hot take. 
I would say I'm 80%, no, I'm not even going to go 80%, I'm going to go 100% sure. Davis Mills, Stanford Corbett going in the first round. It's almost like a, a two, two in one there with Walker Little potentially going in the first. I can't get on board with that one at all. No, I, I don't think he's I don't think he's a first round guy, but like I think he's he's one of the fit that when you have those the like, fifty guys, I reckon that the NFL usually has, like you be on standby, hmm. he'll be included in that. Because I think someone will have a first round grade on him. Somebody out there will. But yeah, I'm not I'm not behind Walker Little in the first round, but Davis Mills, hundred percent. Go for it, Kevin. Yeah, the Davis Mills, I like that take. Uh I think he fits New England Patriots and Chicago very, very good. Walk a little though, man. That shit is so spicy. I am dumping gallons of milk down my face. That is unreal. <laughs> but the Davis Mills one, I really, really like. I think that's a, a actually not that spicy a take. I actually think that's fairly lukewarm, but and kind of a sensible thing to say, especially given the interest the Chicago Bears and New England Patriots have shown in him. I think I think that's a fairly sensible take. But walk a little, nah, nah, not having that. Can I go the opposite way then and say I don't reckon Davis Mills will go till the third round, um, and that's where that's the right place for him to go. Having started eleven games, eleven games he started uh, looked fairly like you know rabbit in the headlights for possibly the first six or seven of those, and then you know slight development, I, I guess. But um, but yeah, I think I think that's like wild to take a, a punt on a guy who's that raw and started that few games anywhere above the third round. But this is the thing with Davis Mills is because you, I don't know what tape you've seen, but uh, the, the tape that kind of worried me a lot was Colorado. Um, and he wasn't great against UCLA, um, but he actually fought back really well to get his team the win. So that didn't bother me so much. But the Colorado game was a bit troubling. But his Washington tape was really good. Uh, and there, there are just different games where he showed the flashes of someone who could be a first-round quarterback. And a big part of the reason that I say that I think he's going to go in the first round is because I'm personally relatively sure if he'd have gone back to Stanford next year, he'd have been a first-round quarterback. Because next year's quarterback class, not fantastic, let's be honest. I mean, uh, we've got, I guess, Spencer Rattler for me is the top guy, but then Sam Howell, um, Keaton Slovis is there. Um, the Cincinnati guy, Desmond Ridder, I quite like him, but he's not a first round guy. But I'm pretty sure he'd have been in that group if he, he'd have been a top 20 pick just because people are desperate for quarterbacks next year. So the fact that he didn't wait a year to get more starts says to me that the NFL advisory committee and some teams were suggesting to him that he'd be a first round pick or at least very close to one. So that would be my take on that. But I, I do agree with you because it, it's it's worrying that he's only had 11 starts. In some of those starts, he was bad, but he was working with relatively poor talent as well. So it's a it's a tough one to take. But yeah, I'm it, the more I talk myself into it, the more I just think it will happen. Yeah. It would be it would be crazy if it did. But the more I talk myself into it, hmm, interesting one, interesting one. I think it's a, it's an interesting point about David Shaw being there. I don't think he's ever really been in that, that sort of programming. Um, and it would, you know, be a consideration of why he was invited at all. You know, he's obviously been a college coach for a long, long time, been at Stanford for a long, long time. Um, but yeah, certainly a, a program in flux, not a uh, not a team or a program that are producing a great deal of top end talent at the moment over the past couple of years. But yeah, it's an interesting point for sure. Andy, I'll come to you next up. Yeah, so Roger's aware of this, and we kind of touched on it last night on the, when we recorded our Dolphins podcast. But um, 
uh, we've been saying it for a few months now. We think that the Saints uh, are going to have a little bit of a clear out during the during the draft, and I think by the end of the first round, one of Marshall Lattimore, Michael Thomas, or Ryan Ramchick is not a uh, New Orleans Saint and gets either traded for a first round, uh, late first round pick on if it's uh, Lattimore or Thomas, or a bit like you know mid mid second third round for for Ramchick maybe. That clears off uh, 10, uh, 10, 11 million pound of salary cap for them. Uh, obviously, Lattimore uh, coming into the last year of his rookie deal. Um, you know, if, if Asante Samuel Jr., somebody's there at 26, they can take a, take the cornerback of the future there, flip Lattimore for a high, uh, top, you know, a high round pick, save a bit of money. And uh, also, I've just seen this evening as well that, that Cleveland police have kind of released uh, body cam stuff of like Lattimore getting uh, nicked and stuff last month. So I think um, I think that the Saints are going to move on from one of those three guys. I think they're going to pick up some uh, more capital, trying not to damage the roster too much, which is in fairly win now sort of thing. But, um, you know, picking up a bit more capital and shifting one of those three guys to save some money. I like it. I do like that, actually. Yeah, it's a kind of a way to get around this uh, this cancellation cap hell that they've been in, isn't it? And those three guys are going to need to be re- well, two of those guys are going to re- need to resign next year. And, they, and how will they do it? I don't know. But Raj, I'll come to you first because you've obviously you've had a bit of a part in this one. Yeah, we, we talked about it last night, and yeah, love love the take. And it's quite interesting. The three names you mentioned in terms of Thomas, Ramchick, and Lattimore are what we talked about earlier in the week in the group chat. Uh, They are probably the three deepest classes in this year's draft. So the Saints could get late round value for one of those guys if if they decide to trade them away. So I think it's a really good take. And and yeah, those three positions you you mentioned, it just, it makes perfect sense in correlation to this year's draft. Mm. I don't don't think they get rid of Lattimore. I, f- I think Thomas and Ramchek is a lot more sensible. And I know there's obviously this off the field stuff now with Marshawn Lattimore, but the way he's played for that team and one of my closest friends, Henry, he is a New Orleans fan for and through. He was born in Baton Rouge. Uh, you know, LSU is his religion, but obviously he's got his side piece, which is the saints. And he says, we- we've talked about this potentially letting players go. And he says, if it's any like, Lattimore's a guy they they want to keep and they're going to keep. Uh, so I think the first two names you throw out, uh, MT and Ramscheck, could make a lot of sense potentially. I think Michael Thomas is more hassle than he's worth because anyone can run slants. But yeah, Marshawn Lattimore, I feel like is is the hottest part of that take. I think he's going to stay if anyone's going to stay. Yeah, I, but I know. That's... I know they want corner in the first round. A lot of people are saying Corn, they're probably going to go for like a JC Horn because run him with Lattimore. That secondary is just going to be absolutely cooking people. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I know what you're saying. I think just the cost of resigning Lattimore, especially next year, I mean, it saves 10 million against the cap this year. It's going to be even more. Uh, if you know, if they have to pay him like whatever top top dollar next year, isn't it? So yeah, uh, good, you know, good good counter. But um, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too shocked to see to see them move on from him. Yeah, and you look at Ramsh- you look at Ramshick as well. You you look at the Jets and the Jags at the top of the second round. That would be perfect for them to flip one of their one of their second rounders to um, to get a right tackle. And the Bengals, sorry, Ed, I'll add I'll add you to the mix because again, he would fit a need straight away, and he's he's a a top five 
right tackle in this league. He's a proven commodity and he would help those three teams massively. And as we discussed on last night's Pop the Dolphins, if we want to flip one of our second rounders for him, it just makes total sense. So yeah, if the Bengals, the Bengals, we take him. I mean, if th- I mean, we've got the 38th pick. I, I'm not sure that's going to be enough for the Saints. But if we were to go with Jamar Chase at, say, at five, and that was our decision, then I would happily trade away a second and a later round pick for Ryan Ramscheck. My point on that would be that I'm not sure that the second round pick is going to do it. Because I know, Raj and Andy, you guys are Dolphins followers, but like, would you give up the 18th overall pick for Ryan Ramschak? Because I'm seeing him as one of the best right tackles in the league. And whilst the Dolphins invest a lot in it, you could slot Robert Hunt into guard. And you, and rather than maybe going with a, an Owe or a Harris or, or whatever you want to do at 18, you are taking a guy you know is going to be one of the best in the league. So for the Bengals, if it was a 38th, Pick, yeah, and it's something else. I'll throw it in, but I'd be interested to see how much the Dolphins would give in for that because that could be huge for Tua to be, you know, have a really invest in that offensive line, but also he'd be good for that run game that you guys have seen pretty clear to to set up. So I'd be interested to hear what you guys would give up for him. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, I'd give up the 18th for no problem at all. I, I, I just want to invest in the O-line as much as possible. I think, I think the reason Raj and I were kind of discussing it last night was because we thought that some of these guys might be available at a bit of a discount. I think the Saints are 6 million over the cap at the moment and obviously they've got to sign a, a rookie class and stuff coming up. So I think, yeah, we, we were wondering if, if maybe they you know, they, they'd come to the table and say, you know, just take a bit of a cheeky offer just to kind of shift some, some, some cap space. But yeah, obviously the, the cap kind of gets manipulated a, a lot easier than uh, than most of us realise. So yeah, that's, uh, I mean, I, I'd be happy with the 18th pick going their way. I don't know what you reckon, Raj. Uh, yeah, I think for me, it, it, it's it's more of the discount strategy that, that you mentioned because they need to get, they need to dump someone to, to, to obviously Sign, sign their rookie class and to free up cap space. Whether whether that's Ramchick and, and we can get him for a second round, I think that would be more of a realistic option because there are needs at 18 that Dolphins need to fill. Um, and maybe, obviously, with this draft class as well, you can get a decent right tackle in the second and third round as well. Look at someone like Spencer Brown from from Northern Iowa. So, yeah, that those are the options there. But... Yeah, it's a discount, and and uh, it's not just the Saints, but you look at someone like the Eagles as well. Obviously, they don't have many assets that you really want to draft for, but you could you could again, they're so desperate to open up cap space. It can be it could be an option to get some of these guys at a discount. I guess the other mitigating factor here as well is Orlando Brown because we don't know what's happening with him. He wants to play left tackle. Uh, there are going to be teams out there. The Chargers, for example, who might be interested in bringing him in. I don't really know what the deal is there. It depends if he, you know, really wants to play left tackle or he's looking for a big payday that he knows the Ravens can't afford. Obviously, but he's another factor here. So there are there are a couple of, as well as this really strong offensive line class, there are a couple of guys there you could get for a bargain. And another name we might throw into the the mix is the Kansas City Chiefs. They desperately need a starting tackle. And yet, obviously, a rookie would be cheap. I don't know who's going to be there at 31. Maybe a Samuel Cosme, who I really like. Um, maybe a Dylan Radens. We don't really know. But the, the safety of knowing that you're going to get a really good tackle in Ramscheck or Brown is there. So those two guys, even though they are 
you know, they're not necessarily players either team would want to get rid of could completely change the complexion of how the first round plays out. Yeah, absolutely. It's a really good conversation about, you know, potential trades on draft night. I mean, it would be a lot of drama. We know that the, the, the draft class in itself is a lot smaller. So as much as you've got the same amount of picks going in, the draft class is small, you've got less pool of talent. And we have seen, you know, teams trying to, or talk about, media have talked about it at least, trying to trade for next year's picks where you'll have kind of a, a bigger litter to choose from. So, yeah, no, really good conversation there about tackles and, and potentially, uh, you know, getting traded on draft night and uh, other positions as well. So, yeah, no, like it a lot, like that take very much. Uh, Raj, I'll come to you and then I'll sandwich everyone in the middle and everyone can go on with their second and third takes. So, this is a spicy vindaloo take rather than a chicken korma take. This is really, really spicy. So have your milk ready and listen to this. 50% of the first round will be made up of a pass catcher or an offensive tackle. Not an offensive lineman, an offensive tackle. So I'm saying 16 out of the first rounders will be either a pass catcher or an offensive tackle. Now, just to show you how spicy that is, let me give you a few stats of how this has played out with those with that criteria of the last five years. In 2019, there was seven. 2018, there was five. 2017, eight. 2016, eight. And 2015, 11. So I'm going 16 out of the first, in the first round to be either an offensive tackle or a pass catcher. Now, I'm giving myself even more struggle here because five quarterbacks should be going in the first round so 16 out of the 27 picks need to hit that criteria and I'll leave uh, I've even gone one step further I'll give you names of who I think could make up that 16 so it actually works out eight and eight for me in terms of pass catchers and offensive tackle so if we go pass catchers we'll go Smith, Waddle, Chase, Pitts, Bateman, Marshall, Elijah Moore, Kadarius Toney and then offensive tackles, you've got Sewell, Slater, Darisor, Jenkins, Elijah Veritaka, Cosme, Leatherwood, and one of either Eichenberg, Radens, or Spencer Brown. Those are the 16 that could be in the first round as my spicy take. I love it. I love how you've gone all out there. You've given us the names, you've given us everything. Um, yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. I, I, I don't know if it'll come true, but I like it as a take for sure. You know, we've talked about it, haven't we, amongst ourselves, that this uh, wide receiver, or as we call it, pass catcher, so you can give yourself a lot of cow pits back there, aren't you? But, um, you know, in this tackle class as well, is, is pretty strong, really, really strong. So, yeah, and there's also other weak areas in the draft as well, which aren't kind of buffering out these other positions. Anyone got any uh, any thoughts on this before we can kind of go back to Raj on that? On, I was just going to say, this is that's really interesting because, I mean, I've just gone, I've just checked through my my board quickly and I only have 12 guys with a first round grade but I don't think that necessarily means I disagree with you because there are so many guys there's so many teams at the back end of the draft who can do nothing but draft a tackle the Chiefs if they are picking at 31 they haven't got a tackle they have to it doesn't matter if all of their guys are gone they have to make a move for a guy who can start day one, because unless they go and get a Russell Akun or a villain waiver, they're screwed, basically. So, yeah, even though I'm not sure that a few of the guys you mentioned were first-round picks, for these teams, they might be, just because of, the firstly, the positional scarcity, but secondly, the just how desperate they are. 
Yeah, that, that's why, like you said, the back end of the first round, there could be a massive run on tackles. You go from potentially Chicago down, you've got Chicago, Steelers, Jets, Daguars, Chiefs, Colts. There could be trades back into the first round. You could see a whole range of tackles go at the back end of the first. And then that could mean in the second, there's a big void of tackles. Maybe that leaves someone like Brady Christensen or... Uh, one of Eichenberg or Raiden's just left in the second round. And then that's it because it's going to be such a demand for these offensive tackles. And again, 50-year option. There's, there's, if you're going to draft a tackle that you're high on, you might as well get them in the first round. So hence the spiciness. And, and even the wide receiver side as well. I've mentioned names like Tony and Elijah Moore. We're maybe not as, especially with Tony, we're maybe not as high on them as, as, as we think they're potentially second round players and maybe Tony even back in the second, early third maybe. But there are tidbits coming out of the NFL that Elijah Moore and, and Kadarius Tony are rated a lot higher than maybe we've we've calculated, calculated them as. And hence, I've shifted them into the first round. You look at someone like the Packers, for example, Elijah Moore opposite Devontae Adams, trying to recreate Jordy Nelson, Randy Cobb, uh, Randall Cobb style, like who knows? Give 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 Rogers some weapons, and maybe they'll draft a wide receiver in the later later first round. So that that is that is my spicy take, and um, let's see if it happens. If it does, then uh, I'll let you guys know of it on Friday morning. Raj, you're like um, that Oprah gift, you know? She's like, you get a, you get a. It's like you get a weapon, you get a weapon. You're always giving out offensive weapons to everyone. Exactly. Well, <laughs> the caveat to that is. I don't think any defensive tackles will be drafted in the first round. I don't think any safeties will be drafted in the first round. So there's two position groups there that usually there is first round talent that I just don't think will be there this year. So basically the other positions would be corner, interior offensive line and and, and linebacker that will, and, and quarterback. So knocking out those two position groups does give more scope for these offensive weapons to maybe be drafted in the first round. Yeah, like I say, it makes a lot of sense and you've explained it excellently. So yeah, no, look out for that one. I'm sure, like I say, on Friday morning, if we get together or something like that, I'm sure you'll be uh, you'll be singing that one for the rooftop if that comes true and, and, and you know, you'll deserve to as well. So it's a, it's a real good one, especially, like I say, before with you naming the actual names and, and putting your money where your mouth is. I mean, I'm going to go now and after all these, I, I don't feel like mine's great if I'm honest and it's not my forte. So I was always coming into this one like a little bit thinking like, oh, you guys are going to outdo me quite a lot. Um, but it's one that I've kind of thought about this afternoon, really, if I'm honest with you. And that's not because I wasn't preparing. It's because it's kind of news from today. Um, so obviously, we've seen Devonta Smith weight down to £166, I think, isn't it? I mean, we've always had this kind of argument, this discussion, this conversation surrounding his weight and his height and just his general build and how, out, how much of an outlier this guy is. How about he falls out of this top three? How about he goes to the fourth wide receiver and yes. have Rashad Bateman go before him? Yes. <laughs> well, that's that. a good that's a good reaction and people can just shut up about him finally <laughs> like i think he's, he's a, a real... rivalry between you I, and him, man it's not even that i think he's a really really great wide receiver hmm. but so many people are on his dick for no reason other than he won a heisman we get it but would that have happened in a normal season with jalen waddle a full strength and jamar chase actually on the field no of course it wouldn't 
The only reason he did is because Mac Jones has a little comfort blanket in him. That's it. <laughs> hey, everyone needs a comfort blanket. Every quarterback needs, needs that. Look, let me explain why what I'm thinking. Obviously, it's not just about like the weight and things like that. I'm thinking, look, we're probably going to get Chase off the board first. I don't know one person exactly in here is going to get really excited about that. And I'll move on really quickly from that. And then you're probably going to have Waddle go second, right? Because the NFL seems super, super high on him. We've had reports coming out today from unnamed, I think it was in athletic, the Athletic, wasn't it? Unnamed wide receiver coach and things like that coming out. Jay the model this, Jay the model that. He's amazing, blah, blah, blah. And he's probably you know, going to go really high, even though um, you know, he's not played the last season or so. Well, near enough. And then you're looking at the teams that are going to be like picking sort of after those two guys go off the board. You know, you're looking at maybe like the Chicago Bears. You're looking at maybe the New England Patriots. Are you going to get these guys picking a Devonta Smith? I don't know. I really don't know. I'm really like tossing up in my mind here about whether that is going to be the case and whether it's going to be the direction that they go because you're going to get obviously Devonta Smith, who is small, as we know, great wide receiver, got great hands, and we, you know we've talked about him a heck of a lot over the past year or so. Rashad Bateman gives you the same sort of traits: you know, great route runner, great hands, can go deep, can do a lot of diverse things, but he doesn't come with that downside of being you know he's not massive himself, but he's about 30 pounds heavier than Devonta Smith, let's be honest, you know, he's up towards 200. So you're getting that, you know, that, that little bit of niggling doubt about Devonta Smith that's not really there with Rashad Bateman. I think that, you know, seems like to play it safe when they're playing with billion-dollar franchises a lot of the time. So, yeah, Devonta Smith falls out the, the top three wide receivers and goes fourth or fifth for me. I think I, I think after the weight thing, that's very, very sensible. And I know look, I've, I've had to deal with smooth brain idiots all day telling me, one reason or another oh Bama doesn't have NFL level nutritionists they don't have proper right shut up they do for a start because most of their staff probably get paid more than NFL staff look at what Saban's getting paid that fucking grifter and they're sorry (laughs) shouldn't rag on Alabama too much they are you know (laughs) Mickey Mouse national champions um so uh, there's all these reasons being given out. I just, uh, the weight is a massive concern for me. Like, I'm, look, this is how bad it is. He makes me look like big man like Hagrid. I'm like 20 pounds on this geezer and I ain't worked out in over a week. I, like, I'm not a big boy. I'm in good shape and I probably, my body fat percentage is probably a tiny bit higher than his. But, bro, you are 160 pounds. My sister is 14 and weighs more than that. You need to stop Devonta Smith. She's not an NFL player. You need to put some weight on, son. I know people who talk about, oh, Robbie Anderson. I don't give a shit. That dude's 190 pounds. Put some weight on. What if he just can't? What if he's just like metabolism king, though? You know, you might be, you know, poking at someone with a, a thyroid issue or something like that or a metabolism issue. I don't issue, care. But... I'm going to skinny shame him. I'll do, I'll do what <laughs> I want, mate. I, I don't care. Put some weight on, lad. I, I, no, oh, I can't, because you can. You just got to eat more and work out more. Like, I know probably his weight slipped because he's, you know, they've had this time out and he's probably not been keeping to a stricter meal plan or working out as much, but 106, oh, it just pisses me off, man. That is Why are you so, so small about this. <laughs> I, because I, I like him. I think he's a great kid and I think he's a great player. I just don't want him to like run into JOK across the middle of the field and his legs fall off and his, his bones snap. So, you know, maybe let him hang out with DK Metcalf and drink some Nesquik, see if that strengthens him up because he needs he needs to do something. 
All right, then we'll move on anyway. We'll, Ed, we'll come back to you because I know you've got a couple more. So this is... Give me a break. I've really... The last one was... a. Someone called it uh, mild, so I've decided to really spice things up. Um, JC Horn. Do you, I don't know about this, but I, I know this is something that a lot of people face, but do you guys ever just have a really, really bad feeling about somebody? Regardless of maybe how much you like their tape or how good the process you feel, you just have a really bad feeling about how they're going to succeed in the NFL. For me... I, think I just answered that question. Yeah, for me, that's JC Horn. I just have a really bad gut feeling. And for me, I don't see him as a first-round talent. Now, athleticism-wise, obviously, he's fantastic. Man coverage skills, obviously, fantastic. His Auburn tape is, I think, the best corner tape that I looked through in this draft. It was incredible. He's a ball hawk. He has all these great things. But there's just something inside of me, however much I like his tape, they just said you cannot put him in the first round. And there's a couple of different reasons for that. I'll go, I'll go into it before Kieran rips into me. Because it's it's fair. I, I'm fully expecting people to rip into me because I like Chasey Horn and it confuses me whilst I'm so alone. But the first thing is there are just there are just misses on his tape. There are just, there are just times he's completely out of position. There are just, just really bad moments. And that happens with all corner prospects, obviously. There's a couple of those on Caleb Farley's tape, and I love Caleb Farley. And maybe that's part of his over-aggressive nature because he's such a ball hawk. But there are just at times where I just feel like he's not in position and he's not reading the game correctly. And that kind of worries me a little bit. Secondly, I don't think he's a particularly fluid athlete. He's really quick uh, and he's very sticky in man coverage. He can stay with receivers. But as a zone guy, I don't necessarily think he has the fluidity to excel in that kind of system. So for me, that makes him a purely press man coverage system guy, which is something in the NFL that is not so leaned upon these days. You have to play his own as well. And thirdly, I just think, I love how physical he is. I love how much he gets in, in receivers' faces. But I just think he pushes the line too much. And in the world we're living in, in the passing league, I think he is going to have a little bit of a rough moment, at least in his first couple of years, about how to push the line and where you can tread and where you cannot. And I worry that his really physical style will get him in, in trouble with referees and get him in trouble with pass interference penalties. So those are my big points of him. And I fully expect you guys to disagree because I'm okay with that because I like JC Horn. There's just a, there's just something inside of me that just pushes him down, and he had the highest non-first round grade, I think, apart from Jalen Phillips. So I still do really like him, and I think he's worth a draft pick. But there's just something that really concerns me there. I can't get on board with that. I, I think, I think I, I agree with some of the negatives that you're saying, but I don't think they're a big problem. I think you can see him from corners anyway, like pretty much all the time. I, I, I just love him. I think you know he's one of my favourite players in this draft class. So I, I definitely can't get on board with that. So I'll let, I'll let Kieran take over <laughs> and uh, come wanna, at you. <laughs> I just want to preface this by saying, Ed, I like you, and please don't take this personally. But that is one of the most dog shit takes I've ever seen, ever heard. He has kept reigning Heisman Trophy winner Devonta Smith to sixty yards. He's covered Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs. Uh, a, a, you know, a list of absolute beasts. He has the most impressive coverage resume 
of any corner that we've seen in college football in the past few years. He has been exceptional. And his resume of dudes he's covered, dudes he's kept to limited amount of catches, interceptions, passes he's defended, pass breakups. He's probably, you know, a top three cornerback in terms of this cornerback class. Now, I know I'm all over Elijah Molden like a rash, but physically and by his resume, JC Horn has got to be looked at as one of the most impressive corners. And and you can't ignore the tape. I know you said it's like a gut feeling uh, uh, and that from what you've seen, that, that you like what you see, but you just have this gut feeling. Could not be further from the truth. His resume is absolutely ridiculous. And and you'll be hard-pressed to find another guy who's gone up against a heavy hit as he has and come down with a, a, as impressive a stats as he has. I mean, even if you look at, like, the best corner in college football right now and a guy like Derek Stingley, even he, and that's not even an LSU bias, he's just fucking incredible. JC has still, in some senses, outperformed him. He's been absolutely nuts. He's defended some of the best receivers in college football last year, this year, and some of the guys who are even going to be coming out next year. And I just think not thinking he's a first-round corner is is absolutely insane to me. As somebody who watched so much tape for him, I've, I don't know how much tape you've watched of him. How much have you watched? I'm I, guessing I've a watched, decent amount. I think it was six or seven games. I can't remember exactly. It's interesting you bring up the Alabama game because that was actually the game that worried me the most weirdly because I thought, yeah, he kept Devonta Smith down, but I don't think he actually performed as well as that, that those numbers suggested. Is it because Devonta Smith was getting underneath him quite a lot? I just, yeah, I just think Devonta Smith beat him too much. And he performed perfectly admirably against Devonta Smith. And, I, you know, he was perfectly, but he, that Alabama tip, I just, I just thought Devonta Smith had him all game. And there were flashes, but that, that game really troubled me a little bit. And it's, you know, it's not that I dislike him that much. I mean, I don't know where you guys see him, but I think the majority of people see him as a guy who goes in the teens if I mean if the New Orleans Saints or a team in the twenties took him, I wouldn't necessarily say that's an awful pick. If he's in the late to mid to late twenties, I'm like, okay, I can see that. I think there's there's a really good reasoning for taking him there. So I'm not like against him completely, but I also love other corners more. I mean, I love Caleb Farley, Patrick Sertain. Obviously, I think he's just a consensus right up there guy, and I'm big on Asante Samuel Jr. I think he's my quarterback four, and obviously the guy out of Northwestern, who I, I only turned on to last week, Greg Newsom, but he's a guy who really impressed me, so and I don't hate him, and I see what you mean, but there's just there's that gut feeling, and also the, the, the Alabama tape was poor, and also it was that this he's only had one season where he's been good, really he was very good in 2020, but in 2019 he struggled and I, I wasn't overly impressed with what I saw from that year. So it's also the fact that we've seen him do really well on tape for one year. Um, and I think my final point would be that we obviously saw him do great against Seth Williams. I don't like Seth Williams. So maybe that's a, maybe that's a point, but yeah, I'm just worried about how he will do. And I think Devonta Smith's almost his dynamite, a guy who's a really um, fluid and, and very you know, breaks 
quite suddenly as a route runner. And I think you could have issues with that. So yeah, I see why you love him. And if, you know, if you were like, I, I love, you know, I love him as the, a pick at say, I don't know, 15, 16, I would understand that. Just for me, it's just that, it's just that watching the Alabama tape and watching a couple of moments, and it's a couple of moments across each tape I watch. I was like, I don't like that. That is just a little bit, of, a lack of cleanness. And I just think a skill set that is, if it is not a fit to everybody. So it's another thing that maybe he only got, there's only a few teams I think actually he would work really well in that. Because if it's a zone heavy scheme, I think I prefer Greg Newsom far more and Asante Samuel Jr. far more. So I see what you got and I'm, I'm happy to take it because I, I, I like him. I do. I hope he does really well. I think he's so much fun to watch. I just, it's just that, that small bit of trepidation that, that has me at the moment. Well, I, I know Raj and Andy sort of gave the grins when I was asking how much tape you watch. And that wasn't me trying to be a dickhead genuinely because the Alabama game is the one where you see the most glaring flaws. But but you notice Smith was beating him underneath a lot. But even when he got beat underneath, he was still making a go at the ball. And a couple passes he actually knocked out even when he got beaten underneath because he has that click and close ability and, and the, he makes very fluid transitions and can change direction very quickly. I think that he wasn't too worried about being beaten underneath because he always thought he could get to it. But also I think that complacency, especially at the NFL level, could, you know, could lead to some big big gains for his opponents, especially if it's a guy like a Jamar Chase or a Justin Jefferson, or yeah, I'm not just going to list that unless you receive sorry guys, or a Julio Jones, or a guy who does have that playmaking ability in the middle of the field who can potentially get their hands on the ball and secure it before he can, you know, sort of lay a hit. So I, I do see what you mean to an extent, but I, I, I just think if you stick him anywhere in man coverage, he's probably going to be like pretty exceptional. Yeah, just, just one thing to add quickly there is I think we saw with last year's draft as well, and, and I think generally as well, the hardest position to tra- transition to from college into the NFL is cornerback. Like the nuances that it takes to, to be a cornerback in, in, in the NFL is just, it's, it's a whole new level. And it may not be year one that you see JC Horn really shine. Like we all thought Jeff Okuda was an absolute home run, like lockdown corner, and he had his struggles last year. And the all the first round guys had had their struggles. CJ Henderson, AJ Terrell, like all those guys that really struggled. So even even Horn, Sertain, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, don't expect year one off the scale production straight away because there is a lot of development at the cornerback position coming up against a whole variety of different receivers that they wouldn't have seen at college. One one week you can go against DK Metcalf, and next next week you're against Tyreek Hill. Like you just don't get that level of competition in college that you just you're thrown in the deep end of the nfl yeah yeah definitely 100 no some really good chat i think he's i just think he's floor's probably about 16 he's probably for me personally as a Chargers fan he's he's the only player that i would accept on the first round that isn't an offensive tackle because i i'm just a big fan of him i'm just a big fan of him um so yeah no so, but yeah some really good chat i can't get on board with the pit with the uh the take edge but yeah you've explained it really well um andy we'll come back to you Man, that was uh, some intense chat. I reckon uh, give it give it a few weeks, Ed, and you'll be able to just shut Kieran up about uh, about that being so polite, about just being told you change shit. So don't worry, mate. We'll, we've got you back. Um, I, my... I said I said I meant it with respect. <laughs> I, I do love did. Ed. I, I just was 
you know, we've got to add some entertainment value here, guys. We have, we have. No, we have. And uh, you always do that, mate, for sure. <laughs> um, my next one is probably not the most exciting one in the world, but um, I had a quick dig into the kind of uh, data on receivers and different rounds and stuff like that in the, in the past. And I think this year is going to be the most wide receivers taken in the third round that we've ever seen um, previously. The record is eight, and that was 2017, uh, 2010, and 2007. Um, I think it's kind of an opposite to sort of Raj's take, where there's quite a lot of um, receivers going to the bottom end of the first. I think there's such like a weird gap of uh, evaluation between like those guys that could well go in the bottom of the first, but they could also go at the top of the third. That that the way I think it's going to stack is that there's quite a few guys uh, that just, just drop a bit, and a few guys that get like slightly overdrafted in the third. Um, and it's like, and it's just going to be a bit of a, you know, teams are going to pass on a receiver early because they can get a bit more talent further down the draft sort of thing. They're going to go there. Um, and actually, I had a quick look, probably, again, not exciting, but your kind of average third third round receiver currently lasts 56 games um, or three and a half seasons in the in the NFL. Averages 120 catches, uh, 1,700 yards and 11 touchdowns. Um, 20, 20 yards a game. So I think it's quite like a, it's quite that's quite crap, really. If you if you're looking for some kind of long term value at the position, but I, I don't think that will stop teams like taking a few guys um, or passing on earlier wide receivers to kind of pick up guys there. And so yeah, I think the third round is going to be stacked with them this year. Let's make it spicier. Give us names like I gave my names. If, you, <laughs> I mean, if, you, if, if, if you're going to downplay my spicy take, we, we need to go mano y mano. I'll go off the top of my head. I can't even. Uh, so I reckon I reckon your guy, Kadarius Tony, is like going to slide a bit. Um, I reckon Terrace Marshall, I've got him as a third rounder in the, in the, in the um, draft guide and I stand by that. He's a bit lazy as a receiver. Then you've got other guys that are more consensus in that area. Shai Smith, Nico Collins, uh, Tamorian Terry. I reckon the guy that we've spoken about a couple of times on here, Simi Fayoko, the kind of teams will like that athletic ability on the outside there. That's six guys. Who else? I reckon uh, Diami Brown could go in there. Daz Newsome. Uh, the, those kind of slot guys. I think Elijah Moore will go before that. Um, but there's Sage. a few. Uh, Mike so, Rogers. Yeah, yeah, Sage, Amari Rogers, all those guys kind of fit in that in that area, don't they? They're kind of the the slot guys that you're not gonna uh, gonna be banging the board for at the bottom end of the, the first and start the second, but and but they are dynamic enough to to make a difference in the league straight away. So yeah, good bit of value for some of those guys there. Okay, I've noted them all down. So if they don't work out, then I'll let you know. Then. <laughs> <laughs> I was just Too keeping you <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, um, Kieran, we'll come back to you. You've not spoke for a minute. You want a positive one or a negative one? Because i got two left and one's positive, one's negative. So pick your poison. <laughs> what are we saying? Let's go for... Let's go, let's for go Debbie Downer style negative. Because you've been so positive this whole this whole podcast. <laughs> like, we need, we need some negativity. Bring it on. No, do you know what? The negative one's more fun. Uh, so we'll finish with that. Let's go for the positive one first. Um... Semi Fahoko, I think is how you pronounce his name. Wide receiver out of Stanford. I think uh, a team is not going to reach for him, but I think he is going to greatly outplay his draft position. And I think whatever team will take him, he will end up eclipsing 900 yards in his rookie season. Uh, I just got a good feeling about this guy. I've seen 
limited tape on him. So you can offer me counterpoints. I just, what I've seen, I like him and Davis Mills had a great connection. So maybe a team uh, picks up Davis Mills, maybe the Bears or something, then takes a late round on Semi. Uh, you know, this is something I didn't think I'd ever say, but Semi has a three point. Uh, 4.37 40 yard time don't clip that so it's just me saying 4.37 <laughs> semi um mate she only ever sees me at full mast i am a giver um <laughs> so on, oh now. shit um, <laughs> um i i think if a team like the bears uh pick up you know, Davis Mills or potentially even the Patriots, they take a later round pick on this guy and it could be a great uh, young quarterback, young wide receiver tandem in the NFL. And I think he will greatly outplay his draft position and potentially, you know, maybe be in the running for offensive rookie of the year if he lands with the right team. It went, it went up a few levels. As it yeah, went that, it did, I realised we were doing hot takes and not cinnamon roll takes. So I thought, you know, fuck it. He's like, he's going to play well. He'll get 900 yards. He'll be offensive for Peter. It's like, kept going. Well, he's obviously not beating like Chase or Trevor Lawrence. But Hmm. no, I I think he'll be a very, very good receiver. And he will greatly outplay his draft position, especially if he lands at the same team as Davis Mills. Reminds me of a couple, uh, well, not a couple of years ago, 10 years ago. So when Andrew Luck and then Kobe Fleener went to the same place, come out of Stanford as well. So they had a pretty good on-field relationship as well. So, yeah. He, he did he did pretty good. Um, and Andrew Luck obviously has had a great career now after leaving the NFL, playing the Geico Caveman in recent years. Very proud of him. I've watched uh, I've watched a lot of Davis Mills' tape because he's one of he's one of my guys in this draft I really like. And Semi Fahoko was... It was really interesting as a prospect to me because, as you mentioned, he's got all this athleticism. But I think people forget that he's nearly 24. He, I think he went on a, um, a mission. I, I know a lot of prospects do that, I, I think, for a couple of years. And he's, uh, and he's, he's only played, I think, three years of college football, but he's 20, nearly 24. I think he will be 24 when he hits his rookie season. The reason that I like, I, I'm not a big one on Simi Fahoko, as much as I enjoy him until day three, is because first it was that age. And also, I just don't think he's a particularly polished wide receiver at this point. I think he won a lot with speed and size, and that got him a lot of what he was able to do in that Stanford offense. I'm just not sure he's ever going to take a step to be as good as you're saying. Look, I think he's got a very good chance of being a wide receiver three, a guy that you would stick on the outside, rotate, he'll get snaps, he'll get yards. I think he has a good chance of doing that if he really develops, but I don't quite see that level of ceiling, but I, I do like him. But I just that those concerns that the lack of polish at nearly 24 is what pulls me down on him slightly. That was Ed's counterpunch to uh, <laughs> to Kieran absolutely belittling his last argument. I like the way Ed, a name. Ed, Call me a name, uh, Ed. Yeah, yeah. I like the way Ed was a lot more polite, calmer, and, <laughs> and a lot more dignified, whereas Kieran went in all guns blazing. Like, Call me a knob, Ed, or say something about my hairline. <laughs> Kieran's been in America for so long. <laughs> I, love, I really do. I think he's great, but I just, I, I. 
this is the thing Stanford, I think, are going to have. This is a spicy take for you. Stanford are going to have a weirdly good draft class. So I think a guy a lot of people are sleeping on also is Drew Dalman, their center, who I think is quite good. I haven't watched a great deal of him, but I think he's good enough to be a starting center in the league. And something for Hoko might get snapped, and Walker Little is, well, we have no idea what he is. He's either going to be terrible or he's going to be a good tackle. I don't think there's any in between there. So be a good one. But no, I do like something for Hoko. I just... Uh, if I was going to back a guy from day three, I don't know if he falls there to do something, it would be either Kay Johnson or Josh Palmer. Those are the guys that I would stick my bandwagon behind. After have to have Kay Johnson. He introduces the podcast every now and then. So. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also, um, yeah, got us a little shout out for the draft guy, didn't he? So yeah, we're all, all about the Kay Johnson train. Who have we not come to? Who's left? Who's got takes? Raj, yeah, we'll come to you. Andy, did you want to mention something on Tony Foker? Because I no, I was just going to say without his last two games, he doesn't get drafted. He's got three hundred and thirty yards in two games, and um, and uh, four touchdowns in I think three touchdowns in one game. Mike got one in the other game. So yeah, I just don't think he gets drafted without those two games. So yeah, very small sample size. Cool, cool. Uh, all right. So I know I mentioned this in the draft chat this afternoon, and it raised some debate. And I think six quarterbacks will be going in the first round. Five of them we already know, but there's one other that's going to appear in the first round who's not actually in this year's draft. He was in last year's draft. It's Jordan Love. Jordan Love will be at another team this year. Now, who is he, who is he going to be at? For me, there's two options. Um, I'll, I'll wait for Kieran to come back to say the second <laughs> option, but the first option is either the New, is the New Orleans Saints, which I and I think the more I think about that, the more that I think that's more reasonable because I, I just can't see Sean Payton rolling with either a tight end at quarterback or Mr. 30. Oh, got the GOAT. The GOAT. Who's the GOAT? Jameis. Big boy. Winston. Mr. 30 30. 30 vision. Yeah, exactly. Hey, not many quarterbacks throw 30 touchdowns a season, my friend. Yeah. Well, <laughs> go, 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 going, back to, going back to the original point, the. Um, uh, having Jordan Love with a four years left on a rookie deal and Sean Payton moulding maybe his next quarterback makes total sense. But the other team, obviously, that I could see Jordan Love at is the New England Patriots. Because having a year behind Aaron Rodgers, Bill Belichick, knowing that Cam is definitely not the answer after putting his eggs in Cam Newton's basket last year and Jared Stittum is definitely not the answer. And I can't see someone like Mac Jones being a Bill Belichick flavour of the month kind of guy. The quarterback situation in New England isn't ideal. And it's either you, you it, go hard or go home now for, for the quarterback at New England, because I can see New England, if they keep rolling with Cam or Jared Sitton, they're just going to be eight and eight. And then you're going to be in that quarterback obscurity every single year that just doesn't suit teams so like I've experienced with the Dolphins for a number of years you look at the Bears you look at Washington like just always within that eight and eight range and you never quite get your guy so that's why Jordan Love could be uh, a New England Patriot quarterback before Kieran gets in on this, I want to I want to jump in quickly. I'm personally, I'm, I'm going to support Kieran here because I'm not a big fan of um, Jordan Love to New England. I don't think it's a great fit. I think what they're doing with this whole two tight end uh, system they're getting is, if they're going to make a bold move, it would be for Trey Lance, I think, or a, a running quarterback. 
So I'm not personally in love with that fit, but I do love the New Orleans Saints fit. And the reason for it is, is that Sean Payton is currently at this wonderful point in his career where he's currently trying to convert, yeah, a tight end to quarterback. Uh, and he has got this big moment to make use of his ego and say, yeah, I like John Love because he has been screaming for ages that they were going to take Patrick Mahomes if the Chiefs hadn't jumped in, right? And he's been all up on this ego about having this really talented arm quarterback who needed development. We knew Patrick Mahomes coming to the he needed development, right? And he's going to take it upon himself to say, Jordan Love, right, I can make something out of this guy because Jordan Love has incredible arm talent. And I'm a big Jordan Love fan. And this is a this is a really embarrassing take that I'm going to bring up because I, I'm trying to own it. But he was my quarterback three in last year's draft class. Look, we haven't seen him on the field yet. We haven't seen him on the field yet. So technically, I'm not completely incorrect. But I just, I, I love that fit because Sean Payton wants that guy. I don't think he wants Taysom Hill necessarily. I certainly don't think he wants Jameis Winston. So yeah, for me, that's a great fit. I think Sean Payton could go one of two ways though. He could say, oh, I want this guy with great arm talent. He'd be like, you know what? I'm going to trade a, a third round pick for Gardner Minshew, but I can do anything. So it depends on how his ego is feeling on Thursday, I think. I just want to look at it from the Packers side as well. It's, it's one of those things where if you've made a bad investment, you get rid of that bad investment now rather than wait until year three and year four. Um, because then in theory, you're only probably going to get a year out of Jordan Love before then he gets his next contract. So it just doesn't make financial sense. So if you're going to get rid of him, knowing that Aaron Rodgers has still probably got six, seven, eight years left, by buyers sort of remorse to say, right, I've just got to cut my losses, just get rid of him now, get some, get some, uh, get my first round pick back, and then use that wisely to develop around Aaron Rodgers. Couple points. We make we make about the Saints first. So, do you want a, a massive arm talent whose eyes now work? Bearing in mind, Jameis Winston threw thirty touchdowns while blind almost. Because let's be real, until he had Lazek because he couldn't wear contacts on the field, he was pretty much blind, and he admitted as much. Versus a guy whose eyesight is perfect, but throws 20 touchdowns, 17 interceptions in the Midwestern Conference. The Mountain West Conference, sorry. One of the worst conferences. It's just a step up from the Mac. Um, Also, I don't think that would sit well with Taysom Hill. In college, he had... Season-ended injuries four years in a row. Guess what team he took those season-ended injuries against? Utah State. Every time it was Utah State. So unless you want a Mormon and a chubby kid to have a punch-up on the first day of camp, might get a bit interesting. Alex, you also... right there, Karen, before you get into that, that is that this is the motivating factor, right? You have your franchise quarterback right here in Taysom Hill. And Sean Payton has seen how well it's worked by selecting Jordan Love to get Aaron Rodgers to be the MVP. He says, right, Taysom, here is this guy. Here's everything you despise. He can throw. He is from the program you hate. This is your moment to shine. This, here we go. This is not about Jordan Love. It's about Taysom Hill. I'm not even laughing at those two fighting. I'm laughing that you called Taysom Hill a franchise quarterback. Um, you know, he's a good utility player, but he's, he, you know, where else is he good at knocking on doors and telling people about the church he's a part of? Um, he can't throw. This is the big thing. I, I enjoy the concept, no. but he's just, he's, 
he's a fun change of pace. And I think it would be objectively very funny and very entertaining to watch him for a year. But he's never going to be anything. Let's be honest. But He, he is literally Jason Witten with a poor arm. See, Andy agrees with me. Um, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> yeah, and, and I don't think the Patriots take him because I don't. I, I think they want a guy who's a clean slate, a guy who hasn't been in another system for an entire year. Uh, and a guy they're going to be able to sort of build from the ground up. And look, I'm I'm as low on cam as anybody. I think last year was absolutely terrible. And uh, I know his play obviously went downhill after the whole COVID thing. And I don't think he's going to be greatly improved this year. I think 20 touchdowns is the ceiling for Cam this year, through the air at least. Maybe 20 on the ground, given how much he just loves to throw his body into people. But yeah, I, I think this is a smokescreen, honestly. Uh, I feel like someone's put it out there, leaked it, and, and it's it's to shake things up in the same way that I think Laramie Tunsil was the guy that released his own uh, bong video and texts and stuff because he didn't want to go to a crap team, so he got to go to a more established team like the Dolphins. There you go, Andy Mirage, got you on side there. Um, and I, I think potentially it's somebody from either of these organizations trying to shake things up the same way with we joked about it but this would be very serious that it, there was character concerns about uh, Justin Fields when everyone who knows him has said the exact opposite and that he's a stand-up guy I think it's potentially a team hoping they could make him fall so they could grab him and I wouldn't be surprised if that was the devious mind of Bill Belichick but yeah I, I, I think this is a smokescreen for yeah, maybe another team to try and like swoop in or even the Packers doing it to try and bump up his value a little bit because people people really value and have a lot of credibility added to whatever Bill Belichick says. So, so the fact that they could be rumoured like that is maybe even just the Packers trying to pump up his draft stock a little bit. Not his draft stock, his trade value. Mm, interesting. Yeah, good little chat. Obviously something that yeah we've dropped in the group chat and caused a bit of a stirrage. But yeah, like it, like it. Um, yeah, we'll cause more stirs on draft night as well, wouldn't it, if this trade goes down on the evening. So, um, yeah, no, we'll, we'll we'll keep our eyes peeled for that one for sure. Just got a couple more. Um, I think we'll go through these two pretty quickly with Kieran and Ed. Kieran, I'll come to you first for your final spicy take. Yeah, this this is very spicy, uh, and it's a very negative one. But going along my what I've said in group chat throughout the days, uh, absolutely abhorrent, unforgivable behaviour. Uh, by Micah Parsons, I feel like he slips out the first round. Uh, I know that's that can seem reasonable, but given his talent, yeah, I just think the things he's done and the evidence that is mounted against him, I think he's a piece of shit human being, and I don't think any team should even touch him. But I, I just feel like he slips out the, the first round because the things he's done are so unforgivable, but NFL teams are so thirsty to just get their hands on playmakers. We'll see it with guys like Tyreek Hill, Big Ben, etc. cetera. Uh, but I, I just feel like, despite what people are saying about how talented he is, I think he falls out the first round because of his off-the-field issues. For legal reasons, why don't allegedly to all that? But Yeah, allegedly. <laughs> I, I don't think he falls out of the top 10. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from, for sure. And I mean, we, we spoke about this in the group chat, but I don't think he, he does fall out of the top 10. I think it's... You know, first round talent, first round players, they get so many chances. We've seen with like you know, recent times, we've seen you know, Hill, Joe Mixon, uh, Ruben Foster. This goes on, doesn't it? I can probably rename a few more if I sat and thought about it for a minute. 
and they just get second chances all the time. So yeah, I don't think he'll fall out of the top round. I don't I think I'll go long band. I don't think he'll fall out of the top ten. But I can see exactly where you're coming from. Yeah, he's definitely um done a lot of things that uh, uh you know should be uh getting a lot of trouble for, let's say let's say that. But well again, I'll preface myself actually with allegedly then as well. I'm not fond of the same thing. Um but yeah. Ed, we'll come to you for the finisher then. Final one. This this can be quick, but I, I feel this is something that I feel about quite strongly. The Carolina Panthers just traded a second, a fourth, and a sixth away for Sam Darnold. However, if one of Trey Lance or Justin Fields ends up at eight, I think they take him. Uh, we don't know what the San Francisco 49ers are going to do. I think it should be one of Lance or Fields. Uh, it depends on their preference, really. But there's this a lot of talk about Mac Jones, and we shouldn't completely rule out the fact that he could go to uh, to the 49ers. And, you know, let's just say, okay, the, the Falcons stay put because no one's offering them a trade and they take Pitts. Uh, Bengals take Sewell. The, the Dolphins are, we don't want to move as we want Chase. The Lions, well, I don't, the Lions then might trade out and let a quarterback go. But then one of those quarterbacks is going to be there. And I think if Justin Fields or Trey Lance are there, the, the Panthers kind of have to. I quite like Sam Darnold. I personally think he's worth another shot as a starter. However, if you're in a situation to get one of the top quarterbacks in this class uh, and Lance and Fields are guys who I love. I mean, I, all four of the top quarterbacks for me, I think are incredible talents. Justin Fields is my quarterback four, but he got a higher grade than uh, I, I would have given to or, or Justin Herbert last year because I, I, I genuinely love them all. So if you are sitting at number eight overall, are you really going to say, no, I'm not going to take Justin Fields. I'm going to take, I don't know, Rashawn Slater because however much I like with Sean Slater, the value that he adds is nowhere near as much as Justin Fields could add. And right, Justin Fields is one of those guys. He's a tough guy and these character concerns, they're nonsense. Let's be, let's be honest. And one thing I know about Justin Fields is, and you know, I have my issues with this take, but I still think he's an elite player. He is a guy who is going to be pissed that he fell to eight. And I tell you what, if he slips out of the top five, I want to be the team that has him on the roster that says, you know what? Screw you. I'm better than all these guys. All of these guys, I would want him. And therefore, I'm very happy for the Panthers to walk in week one, Sam Darnold versus Justin Fields. But what's the worst case scenario here? The worst case scenario is that maybe just is that Sam Darnold wins it and you've just spent the first round pick. But the more likely scenario is you have just got Justin Fields without having to trade up, which might have cost the equivalent of the second to fourth or sixth. And you get Sam Darnold, who would be a very good backup, I imagine. And you could, you know, throw him out there in preseason. Joe Brady has a new, nice few plays for him. Maybe someone gives you a third or fourth rounder. And the actual value lost there is very little. So I also love Trey Lance. I, I, I adore him. I think he's a great prospect and Joe Brady would do great with him. So if either of those guys fall, take the pick as the Panthers. I'm just going to say... Ditto the Lions as well, because I think the exact same could apply for the Lions. Um, they, they, they need a quarterback. Darabov isn't the long-term solution and um, very, very similar. So double that down with the Lions and I can definitely see it. Motor City, Dan Campbell and Justin Fields. Oh, you, that is spicy. Can you see Justin Fields breaking kneecaps of the opposition? He's Be biting them off. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, think it, I think it'd make. Sorry, Ed, go you come. 
It'd be a great fit for the Lions. And I think the Lions are this ultimate wild card because if Lance or Fields are there, I think they probably take them. Or if they get a really good offer from a New England, they're like, well, we'll have three first round picks next year. And if the likelihood is we'll be bad. And if we're not, we can spend a couple of, we can spend all those first round picks going up for a Spencer the Rattler. But if Fields is there, I think they take him. Um, but I just, I, I don't think I'd take Lance in that situation because as much as I love him, I don't want to throw him into season one of whatever the hell that offense is going to be learning behind Jared Goff. Um, I don't think it'd be a good situation for him to be in. But yeah, the, the Lions are in this very weird scenario as well. Mm. Also, my biggest knock on Justin Fields, this is a quick one, is my only real knock on him is that Chipotle just released their free rookie orders for the online order and Justin Fields had a salad. The two other guys, Zach Wilson, he went for chicken, white rice, black beans, green chili salsa and guacamole. Trey Lance went for steak, brown rice, black beans, fresh tomato salsa, uh, romaine lettuce and guacamole. Justin (laughs) Fields had a salad. Brown rice, black beans, fajita veggies and guacamole. Are you kidding me? That's well, not a competitor. You, should, you, you think I'm you vegan? Should, well, you should know, Kieran, right? Because Tom Brady changed his diet to <laughs> the, the most cleanest uh, vegan whatever diet. And look look, look at his longevity. Justin Fields is following the Tom Brady mantra of eating clean. Then that is not a knock on him. Tom, Tom Brady married a Brazilian supermodel and is playing quarterback at 800 years old. They're, they're, these two are very different people. <laughs> Don't see the correlation myself. Okay, let's go for that. All right, guys. Yeah, that was really good. Um, a lot of spicy takes, a lot of good chat as always. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll be we're kind of uh, keeping some receipts from each other about sounds things. I'm sure people will be kind of reminding us of these uh, later down the line. I'm sure we remind each other for sure. Um, next week we're going to be analysing some of the pros and their mock drafts and kind of taking them apart a little bit. You know, everyone likes to take apart mock draft of all it done to us. So we're going to be doing that for you guys next week. Before then, though, we'll come around, we'll get some handles. We'll talk about what we're doing over the next week or so for the full 10 yards, and we'll get out of here. Kieran, what's that view? Yeah, I am at the Himbo F10Y. On the Twitter, we got a very special podcast that dropped yesterday with Canadian Football Hall of Fame slotback Nick Lewis. And we'll actually, we're going to have a fun Chipotle-themed video uh, up in, you know, sometime before the draft. we I, I just got to find a Mel Kuyper-ish suit that I can put on. Can't wait. Can't wait for it. And obviously, you know, you got a really special podcast being recorded this weekend as well, right? Yeah, me and Lee are doing <laughs> your, say, your team, your say with the Chargers. Uh, I think, you know, we won't talk special teams, but we're, we're going to have a lot of talk about Justin. Yeah, we're, we're going to have a lot of talk about Justin Herbert and how he's, you know, pro- proven... Proven you wrong, for one. I said he was Mitch Trubisky, but also Mitch Trubisky made a Pro Bowl and had a good year in 2017. So, um, so yeah, we, we'll um, hopefully he's proved me wrong because genuinely one of the most fun players to watch this year. Not not just rookies, that's over the whole league. So it'd be very fun to sort of break down how the Chargers have been this past season and looking forward. And mm. per yeah, Herbert's Instagram, the flow is coming back as well, which gives him all his power. Um, Edge, we'll come to you next. 
So I'm on at Faradise on Twitter. I'm currently screaming into a pillow, finishing off my big board <laughs> rankings. I have just, I, I'm not going to spoil it, but I have just moved up someone very unexpected to quarterback two in my rankings. And so that was fun. Um, so I'm going to have a top 100 out and I'm, I'm doing Oza Adigizua tomorrow to make everyone happy. So Let's go! That'd be nice. And I'm doing a three round what I would do mock draft that is going to drop on Wednesday next week before the draft. I've decided rather than trying to predict what everyone else would do, I think it'd be much more fun to do whatever the hell I want. So get ready for Stone Forsyth to the Chiefs at 31. Uh, Let's go mental. So it should be fun. That's fine by me. Yeah, definitely. Raj, what about yourself? So um, obviously, if if Chipotle are listening, if they need a hype man, because Kieran's mentioned Chipotle. About. Or if they want to sponsor us, for sure. Yeah, if they want to sponsor us. He's mentioned about uh, Chipotle 10 times in the last five minutes. I had minutes, it for lunch so. today. It was fantastic. Uh, was it the Justin Fields version or the the, the, uh, the other versions? I oh, know. I had a burrito because I had testicles. All right. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh. There you go, Chipotle. There's your man. Um, yeah, at, at the Garch on Twitter. Um, just released an article on why I think the top of the 2021 receiver class is equivalent to last year's offensive tackle class so give it a read let us know your feedback i've got a few more articles coming out the next one is my guy carl pitts why looking at him as a tight end is a, is a bit shallow he is more than a tight end so that will be my next article um and then yeah articles coming out all before the draft and yeah, as as we as we all are, we're we're all looking forward to the draft. And still, there's digital copies of the full ten yard scouting guide. So please go and get your copies. Copies, it will be ready for you for when draft day comes around next week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really good chat. We've actually sold out of the printed copies now, so you can only get a digital copy. So great work from everyone. Thank you for your support. It's been absolutely amazing to see it all online. I love in the pictures that everyone's putting on Facebook and Twitter when you're kind of tagging us in it and stuff like that. So loving seeing that. Um, yeah, so more, much more of that to come. And as Raj says, go over to fullscenarios.com forward slash shop and get your digital copy. Uh, you'll probably get it before the draft. Obviously, you can download it straight away rather than us posting it to you. Um, Andy, last up. Yeah, uh, Adrian Moore, 21. Um, currently uh, very happy that we've been the uh, European Super League and very nationalist about our football, despite the fact I'm here talking about American football. So, yeah, call me hypocrite, whatever. That's all good. Um, yeah, just do, doing a lot of Dolphin stuff. Um, really happy to have uh, Raj on the pod uh, for the Dolphin stuff last night. Uh, that one should be out uh, on Thursday when you listen to this. So give that a listen and, um, yeah, just chipping in talking receivers whatever you want on uh, on uh, uh, twitter and, and via the articles on the website as well any more receiver articles coming out before the draft or you... yeah might do a couple thinking of i'm just i'm doing the later round guys to be honest because uh, obviously a million one people have done the, the first few so I'm looking at um at trayvon grimes from florida probably for one in the next couple of days and stuff as well huge guy uh caught touchdowns on something like 25% of passes this year and so things. So yeah, a bit like a Terrace Marshall style player. So yeah, having a look at him, see how he goes. Absolutely. Check out his when you go to guy for wide receiver talk this off season and doing lots of good work for our draft guide and also on like article front as well. And lastly for myself at Wakefield90 on Twitter and also behind the full-time yard CFB handle at full-time yard CFB, really obvious. And um, yeah, for me, I've um, got an article coming out by the time it's actually this pod's out, it'll all be out on Jamin Davis and a little draft uh, profile to follow up from my Peyton Turner one that I did a week or so ago. I'm hoping 
hoping, hoping, hoping I get enough time to bring you a Jamar Johnson on the safety out of Indiana. Just uh, mopping up, really, mopping up out of the uh, you know the draft guy that we kind of missed up when we, we kind of missed a few guys coming out, these late risers. Um, so, yeah, hopefully to clean that up and obviously have my final mock draft out. And obviously to back up today's pod from us all, we're going to have like a Spicy Takes article coming out as well. So keep your eyes peeled for all of that. Lots of content, keeping rolling all the way through to the draft and beyond. But this is it for today. And yeah, we'll thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, full10yards.com or follow us on Twitter at full10yardscfb. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.